So a couple of months ago, I thought my kids needed a good uh, education in movies. And uh, we were looking back through some of the movies maybe I watched as a kid. And these, yeah, my kids need to learn. They need to see some good movies. So we pulled out a classic and uh, we put on Mighty Ducks. Does anybody remember the movie Mighty Ducks? Anybody? All these young guys are like, I don't know, Mighty Ducks? It's actually an old, come on, it's an old movie, dude. You seen Mighty Ducks? Okay, you're on it. You've seen all of them, did you say? There is nothing after the first one. Who are we kidding? Okay, anyway, so we put on this story, Mighty Ducks. If you remember this movie, uh, it's the story of Gordon Bombay, right? He's this high-priced lawyer. He's kind of got it all. He gets in this accident. Uh, and a, he's been drinking and driving, and because of what he's done, he's got to do community service and serve this young hockey team, the Mighty Ducks. And these, these kids are the misfits. They're the, the has-beens, the never-were-beens, right? They're like, they, they don't fit. They don't know how to play hockey. They can barely skate. They don't stand a chance. And early on in the movie, they end up up against uh, the team, the Hawks. Anybody remember the Hawks? They're all dressed in black, all business. And they whoop the Mighty Ducks 17 to nothing. Just give them a spanking, right? Like, didn't stand a chance. And Gordon Bombay, in this movie, overcomes this giant, his own giants in his life. The, 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 the problems that he had, the addictions, all kinds of things. And he begins to realize that these kids have value. And he begins to actually coach them and to teach them. And they bring some other kids in. And, and through it all, the end of this movie, they pull out the flying V. Remember, remember the flying V? The they pull out the flying V. That's right. Ducks fly together. And they beat the Hawks. And it's this incredible moment. This David versus Goliath. The little guy beating the big guy. Yeah. My kids didn't like the movie at all. <laughs> but everybody loves an underdog, right? So tonight we're going to look at this story of David versus Goliath. And we're going to look at five things that we can learn from this story. If you have a Bible with you and you want to open with me, it'll be up on the screen as well. But if you want to op- read along, if you have it on your phone or an actual Bible, whatever way you like to read it, it's awesome with me. We're going to open up tonight to 1 Samuel 17, verses 26 to 50. And I'm actually going to read you the story of David and Goliath. So this story, just to give a little bit of the context before where we're going to jump in. uh, What was happening in this story is that the entire, uh, the Philistines, this army, had come against the nation of Israel. And they're standing out on the battlefield, and they're calling out Israel. Specifically, this one guy named Goliath, this giant of a man, would come out every day, and he would stand before the the armies of God, and he'd said, would anybody fight me? And everybody was totally afraid. Nobody wanted anything to do with this. Uh, David's dad had sent him, to look after his brothers. Three of David's brothers, his oldest brothers, were fighting with the army of Israel. And David's dad said, hey, why don't you take them some food? Like, he wasn't going there to fight. David had nothing to do with the army. He was basically the glorified 
food delivery guy. He was bringing them groceries, some goat cheese and some bread. And here's David showing up into this, this, this guy, Goliath, standing there taunting the army, delivering groceries, and everybody in the army cowering. So that's where we're going to pick up the story. Here's where it goes. Chapter 17, verse 26. David asked the soldier standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyways that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. <coughs> Don't worry about this Philistine, David said Saul. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. So pause for a moment. Here's this kid showing up to deliver groceries. And he's like, what's everybody cowering? Why is everybody hiding? I'll take them on. I'll do this. Keep, just picture this for a moment. This kid shows up to deliver groceries. He's not, he's, he's got no military prowess at this point. He's never been in a battle. Not a fight, like, battle. And he's like, I'll take him on to the king. He says this to the king. I don't know about you, but... If I was his older brother, picture yourself in your older brother's spot. What would you have thought of your little brother at that point? What a... <laughs> like, how arrogant does he... Do you hear? That's what they said, right? Listen to his deceit, or his pride, his deceit. They're like, what a proud little... Who does he think he is? Can you feel that in the story? Yeah, that's what's going on, right? Don't worry about this Philistine, David told him. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. Saul's the king. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. No, no, no. Hold on, king. I've been go taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. And I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. Let's pause for a moment. <laughs> So now, now put yourself in King Saul's. Okay, so now you're the king. And this kid's like, no, no, no. I, I haven't fought anybody, but I like fighting the lions and bears with my bare hands. <laughs> right? 
Like, I don't know about you, but some of my favorite stories are guys that, like, fight bears with their bare hands. I don't know. There's something cool about it. Like, you're like, that guy's the guy. Like, that's the real man, right? Anybody else ever think that? Maybe it's just me. Okay. But, like, so this gets Saul's attention, right? I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. So Saul finally consented. All right, go, he, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. Here's a bunch of armor, here's a sword, and this kid's never worn armor or a sword. This is not good. This is bad. David put it on. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, and he put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Can you hear it? Like the whole ground's shaking as this guy walks. That wasn't ground shaking, but can you hear that? (laughs) Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of God's. Come over here, and I'll give you to the birds. I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies to your, of your men, to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword or spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling. And he hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from his head, and David used it and cut off his head. I love this underdog story. I love this kid. I love this, this against all odds. Doesn't make sense. Shouldn't happen story of David and Goliath. In many ways, this single event, this one single event, it defined who David was more than anything else. 
When people would bump into him on the street as he was becoming prominent, this is the thing that would come up. David, you killed Goliath. This is who you are. But beyond just a motivational story, what does this this story tell us about being a giant slayer? This evening, as I said, I want to share with you five thoughts or five words that talk about, that define what it looks like to be a giant slayer. A giant slayer like David from this story. There's lots of things in here, but there's five words that talk about being a giant slayer. You see, every one of us in here, every one of us in here at some point or another faces giants. Giants like fear, giants like worry, anger, unforgiveness, busyness, criticism, insecurity, debt, unemployment, pain, poor health, and and many, many more giants. Things that to us, it's like, how do I even do this? Things like we heard tonight from Katie, like, like you didn't even, God had spoke to you about you're going to lose stuff. And you're like, you didn't even know what that meant until it was like started to happen. These giants, or you said, how do I even do this? For every one of us in here, at some point or another, if we're to be honest and to be real with ourselves, there are giants that we don't know what to do with. And there's, there's stuff we can learn from this guy, from David, about what does it look like to be a giant slayer. So five words. I'm going to rip through it tonight because I just want to be conscious of time. The first one is simply this, desire. There's this old expression, probably many of us have used it, where there's a will, there's a way. Anybody ever heard that, said that? Where there's a will, there's a way. So as much as this victory that David had, it depended on God, absolutely no question. It never would have been possible without David's willingness. In verse 32, these are the words he said. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Did you catch that? I'll do it. Don't worry, God. Don't worry, Saul. I got this. In this place, to give you some of the context, the group, the army that was sitting there, this, the Israelite army, there was almost 500,000 men that heard this, this Philistine come out every day. Five, a half a million men that heard this every day. And there was one kid who said, I'll do it. There was this desire. This desire to step out to go for it. When you think about counseling and overcoming uh, fears and anxiety and different things like that, you know, all of the the counseling, all of the help in the world, none of it, it's, unless there's a desire, this push, this drive to overcome these things, it all starts, like it did with David, with this desire. David said, I'll go fight him. This Bible story, it always makes me think of the VeggieTales episode. Anybody ever watch VeggieTales with your kids? It's kind of like this, uh, this animated cartoon uh, story. And in that, in that story, um, the giant pickle portrays Goliath. So there's this giant pickle, this Goliath. And Junior Asparagus plays the role of David. 
When David arrives at the battle scene, he's got this cheese pizza for his brothers, and he, he overhears Goliath, this giant pickle, taunting, who will come out and fight me? David looks at the soldiers, these thousands and thousands of men, and nobody replies. Everyone stands there afraid, terrified. Finally, Junior Asparagus, David, he looks at the soldiers and he says, well, who's going to fight him? One of the soldiers, Jimmy the Gourd, looks at David and says, fight him? Are you serious? He'd have us for lunch. Speaking of lunch, what'd you bring us? Oh, pizza, cheese in the crust? That's tremendous. And the soldiers sit down and they eat their lunch while the giant pickle continues to taunt God's army. Finally, Junior Asparagus, David, he says, well, if you're not going to fight him, I'll fight him. And on goes the story. When I think of David's amazing courage, his willingness to fight Goliath, I'm reminded of this humorous story, this desire, this willingness. A man arrives at the pearly gates, and Peter says to him, well, you didn't do anything particularly good or bad. I'm not sure what you did, what to do with you. Can you tell me about one act of bravery in your life? The man thinks for a moment, And he says, well, once I saw a gang of bikers picking on a young woman, so I stopped my car and I got out. I took out a tire iron and I went up to their leader, this big, ugly, hairy man who's full of tattoos and had a nose ring. I ripped that ring right out of his nose and I said, you leave this girl alone, you hear? And then I stared at all of them and said, all of you, get out of here. You're going to have to answer to me. Peter was so impressed by this man's demonstration of courage, his desire to go for it. He said, when did this happen? The man replied, about two minutes ago. <laughs> it's allowed, you're allowed to laugh in church. Too. <laughs> David was willing to fight this giant. This first word was desire. He was willing to go for it. Where nobody else was willing to do it, he was willing to go for it. Are you? The second word is the word development. Not only does it take desire to slay the giant, but it also takes development, preparation, a discipline, training. I think one of the most misunderstood parts of this story is simply this. That David just woke up someday and somehow he became this giant slayer. Like he just got up that morning, he rolled up on the camp with this food and he's all of a sudden like, yeah, I can rock a giant. But that could not be anything further from the truth. David had spent years as a shepherd boy developing the characteristics of a giant slayer. In verse 34 to 36, again, we read these words. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. This kid had it. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Long before David ever fought Goliath, he had fought bears and lions with his bare hands. He was getting ready for this. He was being developed. Part of what it takes to be a giant slayer, to deal with fear and anxiety and the things that come against us in life, It takes development. It takes desire, this willingness to go for it, but it takes development. I think for many of us, myself included, 
It can be easy to live with this illusion, this belief that to become a giant slayer in that moment of crisis, that, or that we will become a giant slayer in that moment of crisis, but I don't think it's true. Overcoming giants requires this ongoing discipline and training and becoming ready to do it. I'm reminded of a story, actually. It's the story of Rosa Parks. Do you remember the story of Rosa Parks? Um, she's one of the most famous names in civil rights history, and it's actually um, uh, Black Rights Month this month, right? So she was instrumental in slaying the giant of racism in the United States. In 1955, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat to a white man, refusing to move to the back of the bus, and it ignited this bus boycott in Montgomery, Alabama, a boycott that became a key victory in the civil rights movement. Everybody know that story? Has anybody heard that? Rosa Parks this is quite a famous story person. What maybe you don't know is some of the background behind Rosa Parks and behind this story. And here it is. Parks had spent the previous 12 years helping lead the local NAACP chapter. The summer before, she had attended a 10-day training session in Tennessee at a labor and civil rights organizing school. For some time, she had been studying other bus boycotts, and she had already been arrested in one in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, two years earlier. She had actually been preparing to do this. It wasn't just a one-off, all of a sudden, I'm going to wake up this morning and go do this. She, it was an act of something that she had been disciplining and learning, and how can this work? And she'd already been tried it somewhere, and was continually doing this. There was this development that was happening to slay this giant of racism that existed. It takes training and development. Drive the go for it and development. We want to slay slave dragons. Slay giants. Wrong one. That's next week. No. The third work tonight is diligence. You want to overcome the giants in your life, we have to be diligent. It's true that David had great faith in God, but he didn't go into the battle without a, a slingshot and five smooth stones. In verse 40, these words are written. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and he put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. I think sometimes we don't slay the, the, the giants in our own lives, the things that we come against, because maybe we don't pick up anything to fight with. And David knew this. He, he knew that he needed to be able and ready to fight. He had to be diligent, something that he'd practice forever. If you examine the 58 verses in this chapter, you'll notice that only 20% of them describe the confrontation, the actual fight between David and Goliath. 80% of the chapter focuses on something other. And the truth is, most battles in life are won or lost long before the combatants get into the ring. There was this diligence. He knew how to use this sling. He knew what it looked like. He knew how to do it. To overcome giants in our life, we must do our part. This drive to, be, to learn and to grow, to have diligence and to shape and sharpen what that is. And then, and then 
there's God's part. And we must depend. The fourth thing. David had a desire to fight Goliath. He said, I'm willing to do this. His skills as a warrior had been developed. All of that was known. But when it was all said and done, he knew that all of those things had limitations and that they were only just the starting point. The strength of his own hand, the skill of his own athleticism would be no match for this giant. David knew that he could never win this battle by himself. And that's why he spoke these words in in, uh, verse 45. It says, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. When he said this, I come to you in the name of the Lord, what he's really saying is this. He's saying, I come to you with this deep dependence upon the God who is able to do that which I am unable to do. I come to you, I'm going to say this again. I come to you with this deep dependence hear this with me this dependence God I can't do it without you upon the God who is able to do that which I am unable to do you want to defeat giants in our lives yes there's our part to it But there's this peace where as David did, we have to go, God, I I can't do this without you. Only you can do this. Are you trying to fight battles on your own? Is that part of your story? Are you in the front lines with a slingshot and the strength of maybe your own self? Our limitations, my limitations, your limitations are too much. We cannot do this on our own. But the good news is this. You do not have to. There's a God who knows you, who loves you, who created you, and whose desire is to be with you through every part of life. To walk with you as you slay these, these giants. <laughs> Have you called on his name? Have you surrendered your life to him? Are you depending on him? Don't fight your battles alone. Last word really quickly as we wrap up is determination. Last thing we see in this. In verse 48, these words are written. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. I love this kid. I've always, I, there's something about him, right? Not only is he like, yeah, I'll fight this guy. But when the battle starts, it's not like he's just like kind of cautious. Like he's not taking his time. He's like, <laughs> like it does, makes no sense. <laughs> like it's really a bad idea, actually. <laughs> like, like this guy, like the Bible says this guy was like, almost nine feet tall. Think like Shaquille O'Neal on steroids and there's this little kid running, running at this guy. What about you? What about me? Do we confront? Do we confront? 
Do we go after these giants in our life? Or do we just kind of sidestep them? Uh, I'm just going to leave that, let that hang out over there, that fear. Uh, I'm just going to let that anxiety hang out over there for a bit. I don't really feel like dealing with that. Or do we, like David, in, his, in God's strength, rawr, and that's to you, fear. Take that anxiety. There is this determination in this guy. Like, go for it. There's no intimidation. He quickly runs out to him. And my, my simple question, just as I kind of wrap up, apologize, I'm a little over time tonight, but my simple question for you tonight is, are we allowing, am I allowing, are you allowing the giants in our life to intimidate you? Are they risen so big in front of your face that you're like, oh, I just don't even, I can't even look at that right now. I don't want to deal with that. I don't know how to deal with that. Are you taking this desire? God, I can do this. I, I, nobody else wants to stand up. I'll do it. I'll do it. Are you being diligent and, and determined and learning Okay, how can I get better and stronger at this? Maybe little steps. Maybe it's fear. Is it little steps? I had an uncle that was uh, afraid of heights, as an example. And he was just like, he would, he blew me, he would climb on any roof, anywhere, any, any heights. And he's like, what? How? And he's like, I am not going to be overcome by this fear. And he was careful and cautious and he was smart in it. But he was just like, I will, I'm not going to, it's not going to beat me. Are you willing to run head first at this, whatever it is, and take it on? To pick up the stones, the things that God's given you, whatever that is, the abilities, the people around you. And in his strength, God, I cannot do this on my own. But in your strength alone, help me. And even as we heard, Katie, I mean, couldn't be more fit to drive head on into unforgiveness or into fear or into anxiety or whatever those giants are in your life and in God's strength to overcome them. Just invite you to just bow your heads as we close tonight. As we just kind of wrap up um, and your eyes are Eyes are closed and heads are bowed. I just want to say all of this starts, all of this, this, uh, this journey starts with a personal relationship with God. And it's something that is for every single person here tonight, all around us, everywhere. And it all comes from a relationship where we, we recognize that I can't do this on my own. Where we recognize that Jesus, you came, that you died for me, that you love me. You've forgiven me. And because of what you've done, Jesus, because of who you are, you can, God, you can come and live and be part of my life. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. God comes and in an instant in a moment, he lives in you and, 
and it all changes. If that's a decision you haven't made, I want to invite you. There's no special words. I'm not going to lift hands or make anybody stand or anything like that, but just in your own time, in your own way. If that's a decision you haven't made, all of this stuff we're talking about here tonight, it all starts with that. If that's something that you have done, I just want to pray over you tonight. God, I, I pray for each person in here tonight that is walking through life with giants in front of them. Things that have come against them for so long and in such a way that they don't even know or maybe, maybe it's like just part of who they are, God. Maybe it's busyness. Insecurity, pain from something. Something in their past, something that's happened. Fear, worry, anger, God. These giants that come against us, that taunt us. Like this Philistine, that they taunt us daily. Like, you can't do it. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are? And into this moment, into this reality, God, I just pray for, for For your revelation. As we heard tonight of who David is and the life of him. God would you give us this drive to stand up and no longer sit on the sidelines. Like the rest of the army that stood there and just let it go. But say no I'm going to stand up to this. And then recognize I need to learn and I need to grow. Maybe take steps towards that. Learn different skills, abilities. And then in, at the end of it all, go, God, I know I can't do this on my own, only in your strength. God, help me. And then with determination, like this snot-nosed little kid did, run hard and fast and take it on. God, would you help us? God, would you help us? You can't do this on your own. Over every person tonight, sitting here, Desiring that in a simple prayer, in a simple way, we just say, God, would you help me to overcome the giants in my life? And even in this moment, I thank you that you, that, that exists, that that happens. And maybe it begins right now tonight, and there's a journey that will come as we overcome those giants. I thank you for this church of giant slayers, people willing to run and go and take on this stuff. Thanks, God, for who you are and the way you work in and through us. In your name.